You are listening to The Current Daily, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Friday, August 28th. Did you enjoy yesterday's podcast with Gary Kramer from National Comedy Theater? Needless to say, I got a little carried away with the yes-and approach. Long story short, I have a long list of chores to do this weekend, courtesy of my dear wife. I think all she heard was the yes part. We'll again try something new today. We'll have some panel of guests from across IT services, and they'll be discussing IT security. Our moderator is our own David Carlos, and he's joined by Manisha Konodia from Student Affairs Information Systems, Rich Flees from the Office of Information Assurance, Somia Sekar from Student Information Services, and Gail Schlentz, also from Student Information Services. Take it away, David. Hello, everyone. This is David Carlos, and today we have a great number of people on the call, and we're all here to discuss security and how really how security affects them and us in our daily lives, what we've done since COVID, or if there are any changes that we made with security. And on the panel today, I'm going to go ahead and start with Manisha, and everybody's just going to introduce themselves. So Manisha, you want to start us off? Thank you for having us all on this podcast. Definitely looking forward to share how security applies to our roles here. I serve as the Director for Student Affairs Information Services. And in my role, I look at security from in different layers. And I'm enabling our web solutions for all the clients and student affairs. Uh, so I'm happy to share that after everybody is introduced. Great. Thank you. Okay. And uh, Rich, can you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Hi there. Uh, I'm Rich Fleece. I'm an IT architect in the Office of Information Assurance, and my focus is on identity and access management. Thank you, Rich. And Gail. Hi, David. Thank you. I'm on the um, MFIS student team, and I'm a programmer analyst. Great. Thank you, Gail. I'm Samia. I'm a programmer analyst on the MFIS team. Um, which is one of the teams of the Student Information Services. Looking forward to sharing whatever I know here. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Somia, for that. And as you can see, we have a number of different people from different perspectives on this call. And I thought that that would be really valuable. My perspective is from the hardware side and end user side. I work in the IT field support uh, working directly with the end user and their day-to-day. So, so it's all about security. How do you currently focus on security in your role? The identity and access management team is really charged with making sure that people get access to the data that they're supposed to have in a timely manner and that people don't have access to data they're not supposed to have access to. And so, you know, our, our job is really to be good stewards. And so when people ask us, hey, you know, can you provide this, that, or the other access? Uh, sometimes it's very obvious that we should do that. And other times we say, hey, help us understand why you want us to do that. And then we'll go and we'll check with the business owners of that data to make sure that it's okay with them to share the data with that person. 
who else has that in mind? I know in the hardware side of it, making sure that people only have access to the data that they need on file shares and such is, is definitely important. It's really up to the business owner as to who has access to their data. IT doesn't make the decisions. We just execute the decisions right. of the people who own the data. Absolutely. I would like to um, chime in here a bit because we work with identity management team to ensure the right people get the right access. We have applications that are only used by faculty. There are applications that are used only by students. In terms of providing access to faculty, we actually go through the identity management tool and they configure that access for us. And they also do a couple of background checks. For example, have they taken their FERPA training? And that is one of the most important criteria for providing faculty access. A lot of our access to our applications does go through the IAM team. That is one way of how we take care of security in our applications. With uh, identity management, we use this, you know, once the business does say that they need access, people, this certain group needs access to files or whatever, we provide that access through uh, identity management because they have to have the, the user AD credentials to check to make sure that they have that the right proper permission for that. Right. And this is one of the several access that is provisioned by the IAM from the way we access certain databases. Everything is sort of configured and provisioned by them. And, and Manisha or Gail, like how um, identity management, how does that impacted you? I honestly have to say that doesn't directly impact me. So <laughs> Manisha's turn. <laughs> and for identity management, um, I, I echo what uh, Somia and Rich are sharing here. I look up to identity management team from a different perception as well. So Rich and his team, uh, we often interact with them to be able to set up the right metadata when we are working with vendors, to be able to provide the correct SSO integrations when we set up new software on campus. So I think that is another layer of security that IAM team works to provide that layer, uh, as I was mentioning. And uh, in, in application support and development work for web solutions, I think we look at security from different bandwidths if you're talking about best practices for application development. Uh, you know, following the right protocols, not having your con username, passwords, and configuration files, to having best uh, validation practices so that we are not jeopardizing the database layer. You know, when you're setting up database layers, we follow all the protocols, how we secure data at that database layer. When we are working with vendor databases, we have, the, we have a whole different aspect to security that how we interact with the security team on campus to get things um, streamlined as if, is the vendor following the right sharing protocols? Have they signed a certain document that is required by university policy? So we work on that security line. And the, one of the layers is always our development and web servers. I think VPN is the key right now to be safe when developers or any staff is using web servers, development servers, connecting through VPN, making sure your servers are not accessible without VPN. Oh, by the way, this is an internal ITS conversation. We recently found one and we had to go fix that hole. So and that's okay. So I think being secure, uh, security comes in different layers as I see in my role. 
That's interesting that you, you brought up the VPN aspect of it because with the transition over to remote work, has there been any changes, any thoughts around um, instead of people being on campus, that, that they're mostly working from home? I think the duo made it just more safer. We'll have to give it to that. But, you know, the combination of VPN and duo, I think, makes it more safer also to work from home. I guess wherever we work from, right, we can just trust that that model of security absolutely works in, in these times. And, and also to, in terms of security, not just securing our applications for users on campus. I think one of the other aspects of security that our team has changed, not just since COVID, but I would say a little bit before COVID times, is, you know, we have transitioned into using, you know, not our laptop for all our work, we've actually transitioned into using jump boxes. So it makes it a lot more easier. And it, and it also adds a level of security because you're only giving access to certain IP addresses to access jump boxes. I would think that if I lose a laptop or if, or if my laptop gets stolen, I don't have to depend on a, on a laptop to do my work. I could just pick up any laptop and just connect to my jump box, you know? So there is no disruption in productivity and the work still goes on. Yeah, you, you brought up a good point, Sonia, that if laptops get stolen and so forth, I mean, just one small benefit of working strictly from home is a laptop doesn't go anywhere. I have a long commute, so I like to do my errands on the way home when I was in the office. And I was cringed at having to go into the store with my laptop sitting in the car, you know, underneath the jacket or under the seat or something like that. So right. that's, one, that's one little bonus. You know, I don't live in San Diego. I live in Seattle. It was not as easy as just going to the hive and just dropping off my faulty laptop and getting a new one. So it actually involves shipping. But I was glad I was able to use my daughter's laptop in the meanwhile and just continue my work. So in, in, in that way, I think it just proved to be more, to, uh, more of a benefit. I definitely notice um, with some tra- transition in more to these tools that are cloud-based, Microsoft Teams comes to mind at first. Uh, People don't have to be on VPN, be able to access those type of resources and stuff like that, where that carry that has, could have department files on it. Whereas, you know, for the shared drive was on uh, campus, you you would have to VPN in order to access those. That's true, David. I mean, given that UCSD as a campus was already a good significant amount rested in using OneDrive and Google Drive and all the cloud collaboration tools. I think we were at an advantage entering COVID. Um, although we still see teams on campus who are resistant to having remote stops for developments and we have developers preferring to develop on local laptops, which immediately had to be revamped. You know, we had to go through that, okay, we have to use jump boxes. So putting, I think when you're asking with reference to COVID, if things change, I think we were already 80% there, but I think we hit the last 20% running uh, with putting those practices in place uh, where we found those gaps. I think we realized the value of that effort in COVID. <laughs> yes, we definitely. I think as an SIS group, and I, I speak for Samia Gale, and we all are part of a bigger SIS unit, we were a step forward. We were almost there. That's how I see it. Uh, our teams were almost there with jump boxes. So we really had an advantage going into COVID. Yeah, I have to agree. I was probably one of one of the, the biggest opponents to going to the jump box, but I'm pretty okay with it now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, and I, I love this conversation because, you know, it transitions well into how, you know, what's the 20%? You said 80%, Manisha, 20%. What does that look like uh, going forward with security? How do we get more secure? Like what are the new technologies that are coming out that we're thinking about or that you're seeing out there? I think as a campus, I see we are making big strides. Uh, you know, we touched on uh, how Samia and Rich were sharing how they provide access to information to what's needed and what's not needed to people. But uh, I am seeing a big shift and change in our culture with the launch of activity hubs, uh, how we are implementing different data security levels. You know, departments have access to only department level data and whatnot. And I am seeing in the clientele a lot of, uh, no, I used to be able to see that. You know, not anymore. So I think it's a change in the security practices, which I believe are very needed in these times. I think it's more to see that, you know, to get through that 20% will be a change management for users to understand how they access data and what data they access. So, you know, in our, in our, in our world, we had data warehouse and anybody with the right security or with the right permission level could access data warehouse but we didn't have very fine-grained protocols in place, which I think we will achieve with that. So I'm looking forward to putting these more, more secure practices on campus. And also, I think moving towards uh, microservices architecture, moving up to the cloud, uh, we've been learning the different levels of security that they're trying to implement in terms of securing the environments on the cloud. I think it's been quite an interesting lessons to learn. Everything is new. So I think going forward, I think with more uh, with more experience and, and working with the cloud, I think we will have a better sense of how applications there you know, will be secure compared to securing something on prem That's definitely something we've kind of just been thrown into <laughs> in the last yep. few months for sure. What about uh, an identity management, Rich? Like what's, what are some of the new technologies around that? So that, that's a great question. We actually have a big identity management effort going on right now. We are working to figure out our timeline and uh, you know how we're going to integrate things. But at a, at a very high level, I would say there's going to be more automated provisioning and deprovisioning of accounts, as well as more self-service tools in the future. Things like group management and password changes and just multi-factor security like Duo, those things are all going to be integrated more and more throughout our environment in the future. It's not a fast process, but it is a great process and it's a very business enabling technology. One of the things that would definitely be helpful in, in, in my field with identity management is offboarding and onboarding. There's always room for improvement in our area for that and, and more automated procedures to make sure things are, are taken care of. Um, when new people start, we want them to have the right experience uh, with their hardware and then making sure things are tidy when people leave. This has been a um, great conversation around security. I really do appreciate you all taking time. I know we can spend a lot more time talking about security, but today we're going to cut it off. And I really appreciate everybody on this call, Manisha, Rich, Somia, and Gail, thanks for the call. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Bye, everybody. Bye. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know 
that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.